What's up, nerds? It's your weird internet friend who sends you way too many cat memes, Grace Ingalls, back with another listener question episode of Boss Science. If you're new here and don't know the deal yet, let me get you up to speed. Before I head off and interview all the wicked smart scientists you hear on this show, I give you, the listener, a chance ahead of time to get a taste of the research these people are doing. This gives you guys time not only to get excited about a future episode, but, more importantly, time to come up with questions for me to bring along so I don't look like some schmuck who has no listeners. The scientists love your guys' questions. They always think you guys are so smart, and that makes me look so smart. And together, we're just a couple of smarty pants. Alone, though, I'm nothing. So, time to grab some coffee, wake up your brain, because we've got some boss-ass science coming your way. Real quick before we jump in, though, I wanted to take just a hot minute to thank all of you guys for supporting the show, especially those of you who have heard my prayers and posted a review on iTunes. Since my happiness is dependent upon other people's opinions of me, I creep on the reviews. Like, all the time. And so to share my happiness with you, I'll be doing a little shout-out each episode of a review that put a smile on my face. My first review is from Laura and Autumn, who say, Grace is awesome. Totally love this podcast, and my baby loves listening to Grace, too. Who knew Boston had such wicked smart people? Smiley face. Thank you, Laura and Autumn. I think you're awesome, too. And also, sorry for all the curse words your baby has to hear from me. Hope that doesn't screw up their development too much. All right, back to what you guys are here for. Science! My next set of interviews will be with Dr. Katia Bertoldi, who is a professor in material science and mechanical engineering at Harvard School of Engineering and Applied Sciences. She is also the head of the Bertoldi Lab at Harvard, whose projects are focused on creating materials and structures by design. This can mean a lot of different things, as you'll see later on, but the overall goal for these researchers is to manipulate the geometry of structures to achieve new properties and to design systems whose properties can be controlled and changed on the go. Okay, Grace, that's a pretty broad description. What does that actually mean? How does the Bertoldi lab achieve this? Although there are literally endless ways that one can apply structure and design, the two examples I'll talk about are metamaterials and soft robotics. Let's start with some definitions, because I did not know what these meant before writing this so it stands to reason that some of you might be in the same boat. Some of you might have heard of the term soft robotics before. It's all the rage in the science world right now. The goal of soft robotics is to design and construct robots that have flexible bodies and electronics. Gone are the days of clunky, rigid-bodied robot arms. Bring in the soft, squishy robots! Like Baymax, from the movie Big Hero 6. If you don't get that reference, stop whatever you're doing and go watch that movie. It's awesome. Many of the inspirations for soft robotics are drawn from the way that living organisms move or adapt to their surroundings. Compared to rigid materials used for traditional robotics, soft robotics allows for more flexibility, versatility in use, and it opens the door to all different kinds of applications, as you'll see in a few minutes. So let's move on to the more difficult definition, metamaterials, or mechanical metamaterials to be specific. These are artificial structures with mechanical properties that are defined by their structure rather than their composition. 
So essentially, these structures can do one thing sometimes and do something else at other times. I'm not an expert on this topic, which is why Professor Batoldi is coming on the show, but the best example I can come up with to explain metamaterials is an umbrella. When the umbrella is closed, it doesn't do anything super useful, but when opened, it can now provide protection from the rain or snow. The actual material of the umbrella hasn't changed, just its structure, but this change of structure brings in big changes in the umbrella's function. Kind of makes sense? Not really? That's okay. Let's just pretend it does and move on to the cool science stuff. One of the projects Professor Batoli and her lab members have worked on is to design materials that can control and mold a balloon into pre-programmed shapes. Now, this is a bit more complex than the balloon shaping that clowns do at kids' birthday parties. Although, that process still amazes me. 27-year-old Grace is just as in love with balloon animals as 7-year-old Grace was. This team of researchers takes balloon shaping to a whole new level by using an ancient Japanese art technique called kirigami. The art form of kirigami centers around using pre-planned and precise cuts in a flat paper that, when bent or moved, can create 3D structures. It's just like those birthday cards that are completely flat when closed, but when opened, the inside pops up to be a tree or a house or a flower. Which, I'm not sure what has to do with birthdays, but I still want one. Professor Bertoldi and her lab members took this concept and applied it to their research to create their very own shape-morphing devices. By taking a regular inflatable device, as simple as a balloon, and covering it in what they call kirigami sheets, so thin sheets of material covered in small, periodic cuts. When the balloon inflates, the cuts in the kirigami sheet can actually control the growth of the balloon, allowing the material to expand where the kirigami sheet has been cut, and constrict the material where the kirigami sheet remains intact. The final inflatable device ends up being a completely different shape than the original embedded balloon. I can tell I haven't wowed you guys yet, but don't worry, I haven't even gotten to the craziest part. So as you can imagine, depending on how the cuts in these kirigami sheets are designed, so the shape, length, distance apart, you can create different final shapes of the inflatable device. But how does one know what precise cuts to make to create this specific final shape? The Bertoldi Labs solved this problem by creating a computer algorithm that can take a specific final shape, reverse engineer this shape to find the best patterns and geometries to cut the kirigami sheet in, and then print out that final pattern. That's crazy! Thank God they came up with this algorithm, though. Can you imagine how much trial and error it would take to come up with a new device just by changing the parameters of the kirigami sheets at random? No thanks. I'll take the computer algorithm any day. Using this algorithm, the team has been able to create all different kinds of shapes using only the kirigami sheets to control the structure. They've made phases, hourglasses, gourds, even hooks. The possibilities are endless. But my favorite design that they've come up with using kirigami sheets is the snake bot. The inspiration for this little robot came from, could you guess it, snakes. Snakes are pretty cool creatures. And not just because they're cold-blooded. <laughs> but because they found a knack for moving around on land without the need of arms or legs. Using just their bodies, snakes can move up to 14 miles per hour. So... I can add snakes to the list of animals that can run faster than me. God, humans are so slow. 
particularly this human. So how do snakes manage to slither, climb, and even swim without any limbs? The secret is in the scales. As a snake moves, its scales shift into a position that allow them to grip the ground and propel the snake's body forward. The Bertoldi lab has been able to mimic this so-called friction-assisted locomotion using their kirigami sheets to create their very own snake robot. The researchers started with a flat plastic sheet, which they then created an array of scale-shaped cuts through the material using a laser cutter, resulting in our snake-patterned kirigami sheet. This sheet is then wrapped around a tube-shaped elastomere actuator, which can expand and contract in a forward motion. Kind of like one of those inflatable party balloons. You know the ones that you blow into and the tube unrolls and you get that obnoxious whiny horn sound? Little life tip for you guys? Don't bring these to any event where the guests have no self-control. Like your six-year-old cousin's birthday party. Or your 24-year-old friend's New Year's Eve party. Because drunk people are just giant six-year-olds at heart. So when our snake bot party blower tube expands, the kirigami cuts on the surface pop out, forming a rough surface that can grip the ground, just like the scales on a real snake. Then when the tube deflates, the cuts fold flat again, and this motion propels the snake bot forward. How bonkers is that? By integrating an onboard control, sensor, and power supply, the researchers at the Bertoldi lab have been able to create fully untethered snake robots. They even tested their snake bot by allowing it to crawl across Harvard's campus, which sounds fantastic to watch. The snake bot is a really cool way of generating motion without needing any limbs. But what if you wanted to see some creepy crawly legged robots? Say no more, the Bertoldi lab's got something for everyone. The researchers have also developed a four-legged soft robot that can actually move using only the power of air. It's an airbending robot. Well, not quite. I don't think the world is ready for that. This little critter, which looks a lot like a starfish, but with only four arms instead of five, it has a center body that is connected to a series of tubes, which is then connected to a single input tube which supplies the air. If you're like me, you're probably wondering how a single supply of air is supposed to move all four limbs independently. The key is using the natural viscosity of air to our advantage. Viscosity is a measure for the resistance of a fluid moving through an object. So a milkshake has a higher viscosity than a regular glass of milk because it's easier to suck up milk through a straw than a milkshake. A struggle that I'm sure we've all dealt with. But if you were to use a wider straw to drink your milkshake, you'd have a much easier time getting all that goodness through the straw than if you used a smaller straw. That is basically what the team at the Bertoldi lab has done with their four-legged robot, except they use air instead of milkshakes. By carefully selecting tubes of different sizes, the researchers are able to control how quickly air moves through the different limbs of the device. The result? A super creepy, but also kind of cute, crawling robot. It looks kind of like a starfish trying to do that arm wave dance move and absolutely crushing it. It's amazing, and I love it. All of these devices are so wild. I would never have known these types of things existed, let alone the fact that they're being worked on in a lab right down the road. And the possibilities for these projects are endless. What if you put a GoPro and a tracker on the snake bot? 
and had it slide its way through the jungle to record how wildlife acts without humans present. How about a jellyfish-shaped kirigami balloon that could move its way through the ocean and collect data on water quality? Or how about a four-legged soft robot that could arm-wave its way across the surface of the moon? Nah, it's too cool. I can't handle it. What would you guys use these for? What questions do you have for our scientists about these wacky and wild robots? I can think of a dozen right off the top of my head. But nobody wants to hear what I think. I want to hear what you think. If you'd like to have your name and question read live on the show, send me an email about what's tickling your brain to bosciencepodcast at gmail.com or put your questions in the comments. No question is too big or too small, too simple or too complex. You don't even need to give me your name if you're embarrassed. I do not care. I love all questions equally. Make sure to send your questions by midnight, Eastern Standard Time, of Saturday, December 19th, if you want the chance to hear them read on the show. Check out the show notes for links to the Bertoldi Lab page, as well as links to the different projects that I talked about today. In the meantime, if you want to make sure you don't miss a single episode of Boss Science, you can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, basically wherever you get your podcasts from. And while you're there, you might as well leave a rating and review. Every single review helps the show move up in the charts, and that means more people will discover the show, and you'll have more fans to mingle with. And who knows, maybe it'll be your review I'll read on the next episode. You can also keep up with the happenings of the podcast by following the show on Instagram and Twitter at BOS Science, and now Facebook too, at BOS Science Podcast. Here you'll see pictures of all the things I talk about on the show, learn about upcoming episodes and guests, and connect with your fellow boss science-loving nerds. Wow, I did a lot of talking. But look at you! You've stuck it out all the way through the end credits. As a reward to listening to my whole spiel, I'll give you a fun fact before I go. While I was researching the topics for today's show, I went down a bit of a rabbit hole on soft robotics, and I found that researchers have created a jellyfish-inspired soft robot. Which, adorable. But most importantly, in that article, I learned that in terms of cost of transport, so the energy required to move a mass from one place to another, the jellyfish is the most efficient animal at locomotion. What? I did not see that one coming. They may not be as big as sharks or as smart as dolphins, but they are efficient as fuck, and no one can take that away from them. You go, jellies. Anyway. I think that's enough for me today. You've got questions to send. I've got reviews to creep on. It's time to get going. I'll see you guys on the next episode, where I talk to some wicked smart people and learn about some boss-ass science. Bye! Thank you.